going to be talking over the next several weeks until the Lord uh, uh, says we're done talking about it. Uh, we're we're going to visit this subject quite a bit, and that's discipleship. Uh, going into 2024, as I was praying uh, as to what the Lord may want us to, uh, uh, the direction he would have us go as a church family. Uh, uh, if you remember, the, the direction for this year was, I am perfecting a church. Last year, he said, I'm growing a church. Now, it, it wasn't necessarily numerically that we were looking at. We were looking for personal growth, and, and we saw that in 2022. Many families began to grow in their faith and their understanding of, of how to operate in faith. And then this year, it was, I am perfecting a church, uh, which meant usually you, you go through the trials of, and, and fire <laughs> and, and uh, all the various things in life that burn away uh, the chaff uh, to, to where it's just pure silver and gold in your life. So it, it perfects you. And we've had some families that have been on fire this, this year. And I don't mean they've been on, woo, we're on fire for the Lord. No, they were literally on fire. <laughs> they were, the Lord was burning some things out of them. And, and yet I've seen a perfecting of faith in that. Uh, this coming year for 2024, uh, the, the phrase that came to my mind this past August was uh, raising babies. And, and what, he, what he meant was discipleship, discipleship. And, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to start that dialogue today and see what the Word of God has, has to say about it. We, um, we have traditionally in modern Christianity, we've... We have done really well at making believers, and, and yet we've, we've not done well at making disciples. The, the, the mindset of, of the modern church is, hey, let's plant a church, let's build a church, and let's get as many people coming as possible because that's the sign of success. If you can get, man, you get the numbers in here, you get the metrics in here, uh, man, that lets you know, you know, you want to see a successful church? Well, look at the size of the church. And, and I'm not, this is not me, I'm not putting down big churches, little churches. It, it, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not concerned with the size of the congregation. The success of the church is, are we doing the Great Commission? And we're going to find out what the Great Commission is, okay, here in just a second. Uh, but So what I want to talk to us today is believer versus disciple, are you a believer? Are you a disciple? And, and we've got a lot of believers. And praise God, because you, you need to believe. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you, you've got to believe. We, we talk about that quite a bit around here, believing his word. But, but what do we mean between, is there a difference between being a believer in Christ and being a disciple of Christ? So let's, let's talk about it. Jesus did talk about those who believe. Matter of fact, in Mark, he's telling his disciples this in Mark chapter 16. He says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news. Now he's telling the disciples, preach the gospel, the good news. So what is the gospel? In our modern mindset, we, we say, well, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Well, there. There's not a, there's not, he, Jesus preached the gospel while he was still here. There had not been a death, burial, and resurrection yet. The disciples were sent out to preach the gospel. At the time, there had not been a death, burial, and resurrection. So the gospel, while the death, burial, and resurrection is part of the good news, 
because it was the redemptive work that Jesus did. And by faith in that redemptive work, we are now part of the kingdom of God. But, but the good news that was preached, he, John the Baptist started preaching it. And it was this, the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that's what he's telling them. I want you to go out and preach that the kingdom of heaven is here. The good news to everyone. And anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. We talk about this a lot. The word saved is in the Greek is sozo. Sozo. So it, it means not just that you've, you're free from hell, that you're saved from hell, but it means you are whole. You are reestablished. You are redeemed. You are restored. You are healed. You are provided for. You are now righteous or in your right mind and you have right actions. So it sozo meant a whole lot more than just kind of what we have relegated the word saved to mean in modern Christianity, right? He said, so those who believe and are baptized, why do you say baptized? Well, faith without works is dead. So if they have faith, the, the first work that you want to put with your faith as a new believer is baptism, to identify with Christ through water baptism. Praise God, we have, this year we have baptized, I believe it's 20, 20 souls in the name of the Lord in water baptism, amen? So praise God for that, praise God. And he says, and, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Well, why? Because if you are saved or if you are sozoed, you are redeemed from the curse of the law of sin and death. Where if you choose not to believe, you're still back under the curse. Uh, the curse that was introduced through the fall of Adam and Eve, right? So he's talking about believers here. But notice, that in this particular passage, he, the instruction was to go preach the good news. And folks have a decision if they're going to believe it or not, right? But look at what he says here in Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. This is what we all call the Great Commission. Uh, this is coming from the Amplified Version. Jesus approached and breaking the silence said to them, now this is not too long after the resurrection. He had told them, hey, I want you to come, come to the Galilee region. I want you to meet me here on the hillside. So the disciple shows up. They're, they're a bit, uh, they don't know what to say, right? Because <laughs> here's your, your, your master, your best friend who has been crucified is now alive. So yeah, there's quite a bit of a, how do we approach this? What do we say to him, right? So he breaks the silence and says this, all authority, how much authority? All, all, all authority, all power of rule. And the reason why I highlighted it is we're going to come back to this. We're going to talk about it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus, that's one of the first things he said to the disciples after his resurrection. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. If there's any authority to be had, I have it now. The Father's given it to me. And he says, verse 19, go then and make churches. No, right? Go then and make believers. Go then and make awesome praise teams. Go then and build immaculate facilities. Go then and... Oh, yeah, small groups. There you go. Yeah, build some small groups. <laughs> go then and, yeah, teach Sunday school. 
get a quali- uh, get a, a ham and B3 organ of that. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right. I'm not putting down any of this stuff because all of it can be tools. Uh, but, but I don't think any of you who go into, if, if you live in a house, or even if you had a house built here in the neighborhood, how much, how, how much thought do you give to the tools that made the house? Or do you enjoy the house? You enjoy the house. So, so the things that we, we do from Sunday morning services to Sunday school classes to you know, having praise and worship time, to all they're incredible tools to help facilitate discipleship. But it's, it's to help build the house. And the house is Christ and, and our, our existence in Christ is discipleship. So he, so he tells us, go then and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to show up every Sunday, teaching them to volunteer for every single thing. Y'all better volunteer. I'm telling you, we got some things I need y'all to volunteer, so don't think I'm not preaching against it. <laughs> are teaching them to invite as many people as they can to church. No, it says teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. Or in other words, to to pay attention to everything I've commanded and adhere yourself to it and do it. To observe. So uh, uh, if those of you who are, if we're, we're going to be celebrating Christmas, right? Well, what is it? Wait, well, we observe Christmas. What does, it, what does that mean? That we just stand there and look at Christmas? No, it means that you go through the actions of the holiday season, right? So, so that's what the word observe means, is to not just to look at what he commanded, but to go through the actions, to live it out, to observe everything that he commanded you, and behold, I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion to the very close and consummation of the age. Amen. So let it be. So basically, he says, all authority belongs to me. So I'm telling you this. Go make disciples and tell them to observe. Matter of fact, Jesus said at, at, at another, another spot. Uh-oh, what's going on here? Here we are. Here we are. Bear with me. It's because it's because it's, it's the uh, it's the wrong thumb. There we are. <laughs> See, it's the braced thumb. If I used the other thumb, there we are. John eight thirty one says this. So Jesus said to those Jews who had what believed in him. So were these Jews believers? They were believers. They believed in Jesus. Were they disciples? Not yet. So those who believed in him, this is what he said. If, everyone say if. If, that means there's some conditions. (laughs) If you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them. Sounds very familiar with what he said in Matthew, right? That he said, hey, I need you to observe everything I've taught you. He says, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That word know is in, in the Greek is gnosis, or it's G-N-O-S-I-S, right? Gnosis. It means 
knowledge with experience. It's not just you academic knowledge. It means knowledge with experience, right? My wife is a nurse. I am not. If something happens to you, I can put a Band-Aid on you because I've put plenty of Band-Aids on in my life. You know, if you need a little bit more medical care, would you prefer to come to me or go to her? Her, why? Because she's been a nurse for all these years. So she has knowledge with experience. Me, I've watched Quincy. Y'all remember that? Marcus Welby. I'm really dating myself, right? Uh, ER, Chicago Hope, <laughs> right? Uh, she's actually had to work, <laughs> work on the floor. So, so in other words, you will have knowledge with experience about truth. Now, Jesus said at another place, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So you will have, you will have experiential knowledge with him if you are his disciple. How do you become his disciple? By abiding or living in his word, holding fast to his teaching and live in accordance with him. Not just reading his word, but live in his word. Obeying his word. Now, this is, this, the reason why I'm taking a moment to really kind of drive this home is because we, we live in a culture where you can turn on the TV and there's, there's a lot of believers out there, it seems like, right? And I'm not being judgmental on people. I'm not trying to put people down. I'm not questioning their faith because I don't have that kind of authority. Christ is the one who, who, who can look at the heart, not me. However, we, we see it all the time. You, you see a celebrity that wins an award, right? Some kind of an award. And they get up and say, first, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of us say, woo-hoo, look at that. Did you hear that? That's awesome. And I like it when they say that. I, trust me, I do. I really do. But then if you look at some of the, if maybe if they're an actor, some of the roles that they play are not conducive to the word of God, or you see some of the lifestyles that they live that doesn't line up with the word of God, you know, here pretty soon we're going to come be coming back into an election cycle. Let's all just pray for each other and love each other. Please, <laughs> please love each other during the election cycle. But you'll notice during the election cycle, here in America at least, everybody becomes a Christian. Boy, every politician finds Jesus, right? Everybody... Yet, all of a sudden, you can start seeing some of their policies don't match. Some of the policies that, they'll, that they will support do not match the Word of God and the very teachings of the Savior in which they say that they believe in. Now, I'm not saying that they don't believe in him. <laughs> I just, I'll say it, <laughs> all right? But I will say this, I... It gives me pause as to th there's a big difference in being a believer and a disciple, right? And uh, according to Jesus, Jesus said, hey, all of you who believe in me, if you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings, you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, look at that. I used, I used my healthy thumb. And it went to the right one. <laughs> so disciple in Greek is this. Uh, mathetis is the word. And it comes from the Greek word math. Did you know that math is a Greek word? 
And it is translated in what is, it's the worst subject for David Butler in school. That's what it's literally translated. No, it's translated as the word math is translated as the mental effort it takes to think something through. That's fascinating. So to be a disciple or a, a methodist, it means that you have considered, you have taken the mental effort to think it through. You remember Jesus said one time about following, he said, you need to count the cost of what it means to really follow me. He said, because, uh, he said, nobody builds a tower without first figuring out how much it's going to cost to build the tower. Otherwise, you're going to get halfway through the tower, building the tower and run out of money. And you're going to look foolish. And yet, how many times have we seen folks, or how many times have we personally said, Lord, I'll do anything for you. I'm giving my heart to you. I'm rededicating my life to you. Let's do this. It's on. And then the first time we go through something rough in life, or the first time the Word of God doesn't match up with what we prefer in life, or the, the, the first time a bump comes up in, in, in our schedule, we're, we're right off track, right off the rail. Our commitment is not really what it's supposed to be. We l honestly didn't count the cost, okay? How, how many, now you don't have, this is just a rhetorical question. Don't raise your hand. We don't have to. How, how many of you would say that that would apply to you? I've gone through those seasons in my own life which would mean that I would have to question whether or not I really was a disciple during that time. Uh, in the Greek, it also means learner, follower. According to Vine's uh, expository, expository biblical dictionary, it would read this, a disciple was not only a learner, but an adherent. Hence, they are spoken of as imitators of their teachers. We've talked about this some here in, in past services where those who would be a disciple of a particular rabbi back during biblical times, you would know really easy which rabbi they followed because it, it, it was not a matter of uh, the way things are now. You know, here in the West, we think of a disciple as kind of the teacher-pupil uh, relationship, right? right. Uh, well, I don't know about you guys and and. We got some teachers in the room, and look, I love all y'all. I didn't when I was a student, <laughs> right? So I went to school. I learned what I needed to learn. I took the test I needed to take to pass the class. But when the bell rang, I was home, and I wasn't thinking about none of my teachers. I wasn't trying to emulate. Trust me, the last people I wanted to be like was my teachers, right? But that's the concept that we have of, oh, well, that's teacher-pupil. That's teacher-disciple. No, like the Eastern mindset was uh, you could tell which rabbi you were studying under because you acted like him. You talked like him. You taught like him. You would observe how he made his coffee. You would see whether or not he put cream cheese on his bagel. You, you would see how he laced up his sandals. You would do it the same way. You would become like your master. Or it, it's matter of fact, if you if you if you want to think about it better, think of Kung Fu. I'm gonna date myself. Y'all remember Kung Fu? Anybody else watch Kung Fu? 
I know I'm not the oldest one in this room. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean. David Carradine, David Carradine, boy, he was, you know, he'd have those flashbacks when he was being trained by his kung fu master and he's all bald, right? You remember? And he was grasshopper. Grasshopper, when you can snatch the pebbles from my hand, you can leave. And boy, it was a lot of years, boy, he tried and that got, nope, too slow. He wasn't just sitting in a classroom. Boy, his kung fu master had him out there in the courtyard of that temple. Boy, training him for combat. Not only that, he's teaching him all this philosophy that didn't even make, it just sounded smart. And so David Carradine, when he finally was able to come over here to the States, remember he was working on the railroads. It was, it was a Western, a Kung Fu Western. And if you think about it, we really didn't see him do a lot of Kung Fu, did we? He was more, but he was emulating his master and he would say things. And as a kid, I was like, you know, it would, before the train can ride on the track, you must first lay the track for the train. I'm like, that didn't even make sense, but it sounds awesome. Yeah, well, he learned that from his kung fu master. So that's that was, or for all of you more modern nerds, if you're if you're a Jedi Knight, you had a padawan that you would train, right? In other words, it's a you you start doing life with the master, and you start learning from the master. You start having experiential knowledge of the master, so that you can. Be like the master. You start dying out to who you were. You start dying out. Say, well, man, I always loved pepperoni. But you know what? The master, he prefers to have veggies only. That means I have to stop having pepperoni on my pizza. And if I'm going to be like the master, I'm going to have veggies only. In other words, the things that you think were so important stop becoming important. Because that which become, that which is more important to the master that's what happens when you start walking in discipleship. I was really thrilled. I was chatting with one of the men here in the church uh, recently who's just over the last two years has really had incredible growth in his relationship with Christ. And, and he told me, he goes, you know, it's the weirdest thing. He said, man, I, there was a particular car I've always wanted. And it, and it was a particular car in a particular year. And, and he said, it's not the most expensive version of that car. It, it's, it's about 36000 I could go get one that's, that's used and in good shape. And, man, I've always wanted it. He goes, and now I've got the ability, I can go do it, and I don't care about it. Every time I think about it, the Lord said, no, 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 no. I want you to go do, like, I want you to sow some seed financially into this ministry or that ministry. Or, he goes, and I, I, I just don't care about it. Anything wrong with the car? No. But what's happening? He's spending more time with the master. And he's starting to hear the heart of the master, right? So here's, here we go. I, I promise I'm trying to preach a, one, a one-armed sermon. So we're going to get through this, I promise. Are you a believer or are you a disciple? I want you to ask yourself that. Are you a believer or are you a disciple? And do you want to be a disciple? Because if you want to be a disciple, it's going to cost it honestly is. I wish, I wish we could preach a gospel that just says, man, you give your heart to Jesus, it's going to be great. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. It's all blessing, blessing, blessing. He is full of blessing. But those blessings sustain you through some hard times. So, well, then why do I want to sign up for this if I'm going to have hard times? Because you're going to have hard times whether you sign up or not. 
So, so you might as well enjoy the blessings while you're going through the hard times. I, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. Uh, it seems like it's only recently in my life that I've started learning how to truly be a disciple. I've been a believer for a long time. At nine years old, I gave my heart to the Lord. I was baptized. At 10 years old, I had an incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit. For the first time, I encountered one of the gifts of the Spirit, spoken tongues at 10 years old. At 12 years old, preached my first sermon. That This next year, this next year, 2024, will be 40 years that I've preached. That's a long time. And, and at 16, got serious about my call, my call that God placed on my life to minister. At 19, actually began youth pastoring. So from the age of 19 until here in, in a little over a month, I'll be, I'll be 52 years old. I have served in some shepherding capacity in the kingdom of God. That's a lot of years. 33, 34 years of actually shepherding in some way or another. And I don't think I realize now, I don't think I've really truly been a disciple until maybe the last half decade of my life. Because I didn't fully understand. Now, I was a good believer. I preached from the word of God. And that's, we've got a, we got a whole world full of believers, but not as many disciples. There was multitudes that followed Jesus. He had 12 guys that were close to him that were disciples. He had 70 that were disciples that he sent out. At one point after his resurrection, he had 200. In the book of Acts, it talks about a few thousand disciples. But do you want to be a disciple? Listen to what Jesus said, because think about this. If you're going to build this tower, let's think about the cost of it. Luke 14, everyone still with me? All right, I, I promise this one arm is about to give out. It's, it's, it's a, the one-arm sermon here. Luke 14, 26, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. What? That sounds crazy. What he's saying is by comparison. It's, it's almost like the, the, you know, at one point he said, no man can have two masters because he'll love one and hate the other. It doesn't mean that he's going to, oh, I hate this one. You know, have you ever had to work two jobs in your life? One job you really liked, and the other job you didn't necessarily hate. You appreciated it, but you like this one better, right? That's, that's what he's talking about. In comparison, you, you love one, hate the other, right? If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, Yes, even your own life, everyone that you hold dear compared to him has to dim to where he is your all in all, to where he ultimately is the only voice, the only opinion, the only mindset that matters. Now, it sounds real easy to go, woo, all right, bring it. I'm ready for it until you're really faced with that in life. To where you have to look at someone you love dearly and say, I can't go that direction with you. I can't participate with that anymore. I can't be around that anymore. Why? Because the master doesn't want it. 
So you're saying you love church more than you love us. No, I love him. And I would love for you to join me. That's, that's some hard stuff. Matter of fact, look at how the, uh, the message puts it. One day when, large, uh, when a large group uh, of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go, everyone say let go, let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self can't be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. When you read the book of Luke uh, before Jesus, as he's on his way to Jerusalem for the triumphal entry and his eventual death, burial, and resurrection and ascension, he does like one big mass tour, right? Uh, uh, from, from Canaan on the, 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 the northern area, making his way south to Jerusalem. He does this one mass tour, and there's a lot of people that started following him. And yet you see recorded over and over, people come up and say, hey, Jesus, I want, trust me, I want to follow you, man. I want to follow you. You are amazing. You're mind-blowing. I want to follow you. But, but hang on, because I, I got to go take care of my crops. My crops are about to be harvested. I got to go take care of that. And he'd say, you, you don't want to follow me. Je Jesus, I want to, I, I, hey, listen, I, I want to be a part of this. I really do. But hang in there, man. I, my, my parents are getting older. So I, I need to stick around long enough because, you know, eventually I'm going to have to bury them. And then, and he'd tell him, he's like, man, you're, you don't want to follow me. Matter of fact, you say, you, you're not even worthy to follow me. See, that's, that's really harsh. Because we're supposed to take care of our parents. I mean, we got, parents, we got folks right here in this church who are caring for their elderly parents. That's the thing to do. But what he's referring to is this mindset. If you're going to follow me, he's saying, everything, you got to let go of it all. What, what does it cost to be a disciple? Everything. Everything. When, when I, I hope you, I hope nobody, and I'm probably going to get too transparent, and that's probably one of my flaws as a pastor. Like most pastors are supposed to like give you the, be the example, right? Unfortunately, the Lord uses me the opposite way. I'm the example, but it's don't do what Dave does, Right? <laughs> All the other pastors are like, hey, be like pastor so-and-so. It's like, no, don't be like Pastor Dave. <laughs> if you don't do that, you're doing it right. I hope, I hope nobody has to go through this. But when, when, when you're faced, when you, when you know that Christ has called you in a certain direction and Christ has told you, this is what I want you to do, are you going to do it? But then you're faced with loved ones who say, we don't want to do that. And then he literally says, are you going to follow me? Are you going to follow loved ones? And then you say, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust that you're going to work this out. And the loved ones say, it ain't working out. 
you learn the price of being a disciple. Now, the beautiful thing he promises in Mark, he says, hey, all of you who have left father, mother, uh, 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 wife, children, brothers, sisters, homes, crops, you get it all back a hundredfold. Remember what we said the hundredfold was? The maximum potential. In this life, he said, with persecution and in the next. So you don't have to, you don't have to wait for the sweet by and by. You, he, man, he is, those of you who have walked with me these past near six years almost that I've pastored and you've, you've, you've seen, you've seen my story unfold, man, you, you, you know how God, God restores a hundredfold. But when you're in the midst of that, that is, that's right. I, I never knew what it was to be a disciple until that moment in my life. And say, well, why did you choose? Because you realize when you get a glimpse of the kingdom of God, there's nothing else that will satisfy you. Jesus said it. He, he said, he said you know, the kingdom of God is like a merchant who finds a precious pearl. And he goes and sells everything he has. I mean, the merchant sells his ships, his business, his, 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 lets his employees go, everything that he had that he made a living on, his whole career, sold it all just so he could get that pearl. When the Lord gives you a glimpse of what his kingdom is about, nothing else can compare. The start of discipleship, real quick. I promise we're, we're finishing. This, this arm, my good arm ain't holding up any longer. I promise. Luke 5 says this. This is when he calls uh, uh, James, John, and Peter. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. He just did the big miracle with all the fish, right? Who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. You'll be fishers of men. So when they had brought their boats back to land, once they got their boats, I mean, that was like their tools. They had a fishing business. When they got it back to land, they forsook all. They forsook all and followed him. You remember what Jesus said? He said, unless you're willing to pick up your own cross and follow after me, you can't be my disciple. That's a huge thing because we all have a cross. Do you realize that? Jesus had a cross. Every single one of us have a cross. In other words, every single one of us sitting here got mess. And we can wallow in that mess. We can choose to have that mess hold us back. We can choose to have that mess keep us at bay. Or, he can, or you can do what he says, and he goes, pick it up and follow me. Because that's when you get to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. But the wonderful thing about it, Jesus doesn't have a cross anymore. He died out to it. And that's what he teaches you as you become like him. Because the disciple becomes like the master. You die out to your mess. You die out to your cross. That's when you now know him in the fellowship and the power of his resurrection. Amen. So they forsook all and followed him. If you jump down a little bit further in that chapter, he finds Levi. Man, Levi had a great gig. He was working for the IRS. Man, he's making good money. He was in, he was in good with the, with the Romans. After these things, he went, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. 
sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. What's it going to cost? Everything. Now, I'm not telling you you're going to have to get rid of your house. I'm not telling you you're losing your family. I'm not t- I'm, matter of fact, I'm praying, I'm, I'm praying nobody has to experience that. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm praying your family sees the incredible, the, the incredible ruby <laughs> and they're willing to sell everything they got for it as well. But I'm saying this, you, you, you live with everything with an open hand. Amen? Amen. Because nothing in this life is going to satisfy you but him. I'll tell you what, I, I, I love my wife. She's the best woman I know. We have a blast together. She's been taking good care of me this last week. Although I do question some of her judgment. Let me tell you about my wife real quick. What happened? <laughs> she's, she's being a nurse. She's, she's going to be my nurse. This is awesome. I had the surgery. She's going to be my nurse. I don't know where she learned this in nursing school, but she, 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 she shows up with a dog. We got a dog in the house all of a sudden. I said, how is that dog going to help my shoulder? But it is precious. But I love my... I love my wife with everything in me. And man, we have a blast and we enjoy each other's company. And the days I'm struggling, man, she speaks life into me. The days she's struggling, I speak life into her. And we laugh and we cut up and we have a great time. But there is nothing with as talented as she is and as brilliant as her mind is and as loving as she is, there's no part of her that can heal me, complete me, and restore me. Only he can. So we live like this. And trust me, she will be the first one to tell you there is no part of me (laughs) that can heal her, (laughs) restore her, or build her up in that capacity. Only he can. What does that mean? Man, we forsook it all. It's all about him. Oh, we still get to enjoy each other's companionship. We still get to enjoy holy matrimony. Speaking of which, I want to congratulate Warren and Susan in the back. Have just entered holy matrimony just a few weeks ago. Amen. I did I had a Becky Jones moment there. Becky, look at that. So I can't I can't pick at you too bad. All right, I got one more slide if this will work. Nope, nope, it's going back. It's 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 because it's here we go. We're gonna use my uh-oh. Uh-oh. All right. Yeah, we're going to leave it there. No, no. We'll we'll leave it there. We'll 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 get back to uh leave, leave it to the 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 one that it was just at, the Matthew. Yes. Uh we'll get back to some of the other ones. I've gone long enough. Uh we'll get back to some of the other ones at a different time. Matthew 10:24 says this. Why would you want to go through all that mess? Cuz man, it doesn't sound like discipleship. <laughs> It doesn't sound very appealing the way that we've talked about it today, right? Trust me, no, it is. It, it's, you, you die out to yourself. Well, why is this? Matthew 10, 24, Jesus says this. A disciple is not above his teacher. In other words, Jesus is saying, like, look, you're not going to get ahead of me. Trust me. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to get above me. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. But I love this. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and that a servant like his master. Why is it so important to not just be a believer, 
but to start diving into discipleship. A believer is all wonderful. It's, 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 to have faith in him is wonderful. But to be a disciple, you get to be like him. What did we start this whole thing out? Let's all stand. It'll make most of you feel better if you're standing up. It means I'm really stopping. Uh, what does it mean to be like him? One of the first passages we read, Jesus said, all authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. And if I can be like him, if I can be disciplined enough to be like him, to give it my all, to die out to myself, then I actually get to operate in that same authority that he permits me to. I get to be seated in heavenly places with him. That's some serious authority. Is, there, is it recorded anywhere that Jesus dealt with depression? Did Jesus deal with anxiety? He started getting a little anxious in the, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he, man, he eventually said, but now my will, thy will be done. He, man, he had power of that. Did Jesus seem intimidated by the Pharisees? by demons, man, he didn't deal with any of that stuff. That's a major authority. I want access to that. I want to walk around with that kind of power. And it only comes through discipleship. So I want you to be praying with me as we go into 2024. What, what does that mean for Gathering Church? What does it look like for us to not only be willing to be discipled by him, but also to disciple? That's part of the Great Commission, is to make disciples. And that's something for all of us. We're all responsible for that. What does that look like for us? I, I think it goes far more than just saying, hey, we have a discipleship class. Praise God for classes and Bible studies. But I think it goes far beyond that. What does it look like to have that kind of lifestyle as a fellowship? And what does it mean to sell out 100% to him in that capacity? Amen. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about the cost of discipleship uh, and, and the discipline that comes from it. And, and Paul has some very powerful things to say about it. But this week, that's what I want you to pray about. Lord, am I just a believer or am I truly a disciple? Am I willing to give it all up for you? He may not ever ask you to give any of it up, but would you be willing Let's all pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for calling us to be disciples, Lord. Not just believers, but you call us into a higher place with you. You invite us to become just like you. In all of your authority, and all of your power. To move past just simply belief into the domain of becoming. Teach us to do so, Lord. Teach us to be disciples. And we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.